Hey guys, Mac from the future here. I just wanted to give you a heads up that in episode 3, there is a sequence that I'm sure Britain in 1965 thought was hilarious, but it's basically a prolonged Pepe Le Pew-esque uh, scene where Barbara is chased around by Caesar Nero and attempted assault on her. We do talk about it a little bit, but we don't really dwell on it. Just thought I'd give you a heads up. Enjoy the episode. Honestly, Doctor, and after that long talk you gave me about not meddling with history, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. It's got nothing to do with me. You burnt his drawing. Oh, yes, an accident. Well, maybe it was, but if well, you Well, he could have, he could have, he would have been told someone else. You can't possibly accuse me of, 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 of for that. All right, hmm? you have it your way, I'll have it mine. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Romans. Yes, The Romans was written by Dennis Spooner, was directed by Christopher Berry, and was, as always, produced by Verity Lambert. It debuted January 16th, 1965, all the way to February 6th, 1965. Caleb, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm scared. <laughs> because Dennis Spooner was the guy who wrote The Reign of Terror. <laughs> Still my least favorite episode we watched so far, so I'm a little scared. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. There's no way. There, there's no way you think The Reign of Terror is worse than An Unearthly Child. Uh, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> oh my, okay. Reign of Terror is at the very bottom of my list because the Reign of Terror was just a game of hot potato where everybody, or rather musical chairs, and everybody just kept moving around and nothing really happened. At the very least, An Unearthly Child had a really, really solid first episode. That first episode carries it above Reign of Terror for me. <laughs> Join us on our bonus episode where Mac and I fight about where the Doctor Who episodes <laughs> rank. <laughs> I mean, maybe I have that planned in our schedule. Who knows? <laughs> you said this one's a comedy, right? Yes, it was specifically written to be a comedy. And it's about the Roman Empire. Yes. Are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking? Because I'm about to ask, given all you know about Doctor Who and given the title of the Romans, what do you think this episode's going to be about? Who wrote it? Dennis Spooner? Dennis Spooner. Dennis Spooner, obviously read a lot about the Ides of March and said, this shit's hilarious. <laughs> See, you and I went in two different directions because I figured it was just going to be an exact uh, exact recreation of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Have you not seen that? No, I have no idea what that is. It's a comedy musical set in ancient Rome. It's oh, really God. good. <laughs> it sounds horrible. I promise it's funny. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like a comedy of errors kind of thing. On our next podcast, Mac and I talk about musicals, which I hate and he apparently likes. I'm very picky about musicals. I don't hate them like I used to when I was younger, but I am I am pickier about musicals. Basically, the entire golden age can fuck right off, but yeah. I can count on my hand how many musicals I like. Do you want to know what my favorite musical is? It's going to surprise you. <laughs> Here are my top five favorite musicals. Number one will surprise you. <laughs> 
This is a Watch Mojo. Podcast. I was gonna say, all right, Watch Mojo. What have we got? <laughs> I am curious, actually. What is your favorite musical? Jesus Christ Superstar. See, I haven't even seen that. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't even express how awesome it is. Caleb, I've known you since I was like what five. Know each other for like two and a half decades, something like that. The fact that Jesus Christ Superstar is your favorite musical is not surprising to me in the slightest. Really? Yeah. But then again, I'm saying that having never seen it. It just seems like a seems like a spoof. I'm picturing it kind of like a Hamlet 2 kind of situation. No, it's <laughs> surprisingly serious. There's like two goofy songs in it. And those are actually the ones I don't like. Okay. <laughs> We won't get into it, but it's it's good. You should watch it. I was gonna say I watch it every Easter. I'll probably I'll probably cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, but I think this is gonna be a comedy about the Ides of March. How close am I? I don't know. I don't remember this one. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was two weeks for us. Yeah. In my defense, uh, one of those weeks was my tech week for the shows in, and I also work a manual labor job. So it was just exhausting all around. <laughs> I honestly need like an emotional break to process this. <laughs> also that. This this episode <laughs> is um well, it's a uh. lot. <laughs> It's a lot. There are opinions that are had between the two of us. This is one of the few episodes in which we haven't like had any sort of like one or two sentence discussions about this. So I don't know what your opinion is going in and you don't know mine. And I'm curious to see where it lines up. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Okay. But hey. Let's stop beating around the bush. Want to just jump right in? Do we have any fun trivia we have to get through first? Oh, wait, no, we already did that. We Yeah, we just, the only trivia that uh had was the stuff that we did two weeks ago slash a couple seconds ago. I got some other trivia that we'll pepper in, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I was just making sure. Actually, actually, there is there is one, there is one that I'm going to go ahead and say now. So, if you recall, Marco Polo was William Hartnell and uh, Carol Ann Ford's favorite story. The Aztecs was Jacqueline Hill's favorite story. This is William Russell's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that, you go ahead. Okay. I have a hot take. Are you ready for it? Hit me. All right. Not only is this the worst story we've watched so far, <laughs> this might be the worst arc of anything I've ever watched ever. <laughs> that is quite the bold take. And I'm sticking to it. I hated every moment of this. <laughs> well, I I didn't hate every moment of it. I'd say I hated exactly half <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> so um, we'll get to okay, it. Okay, I'm interested in which half you hate or don't hate. So... Okay. I, and I have a sneaky suspicion that you like the parts that I really hate, so we're really going to get into it. This is going to be fun. Okay, you go, you go ahead and start. Uh, okay, let's start. Summary number one. I was in a clear, cognizant, emotional state when I wrote all this. <laughs> the travelers are enjoying life in Rome. 
When slavers spot Barb and Vicky in a market, they create a scheme to capture them. After a few bits of everyone being overly snarky, the doctor just decides to go to Rome and Vicky joins him. The slavers ambush Barb and Ian, and after Barb does their job for them, they take the two to be sold as slaves in Rome. On the road, the doctor and Vicky stumble across a corpse. When a guard comes looking through the bushes, the doctor does the sensible thing and pretends to be the dead man, a musician named Petulian. The guard insists on taking them to Rome to perform in Nero's court, and that's the first episode. Wow, you really, <laughs> really feel passionate about this. Because <laughs> that was a short-ass summary, Caleb. <laughs> I know we're recording this later than we usually do, but that doesn't mean you have to shorten the summary so much. No. <laughs> I couldn't even... I honestly couldn't even comprehend. I was like, what do I even say? What do I even say? I pretty much gave off my mood of this episode in that description as well. Um, is it just me, or is everyone really fucking snarky in the first two episodes for literally no reason? If you'll recall, this is the first episode that was specifically written to be a comedy. But that, okay, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> because it literally begins with someone getting murdered. <laughs> And like they're like, oh, yes, we're going to plot to kidnap these women. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is hilarious. Well, see, that is probably my biggest issue with this entire story is the huge, huge, huge fucking divide of a total shift that this story has. Because we've sort of touched on it, but uh, there's basically two stories going here. There's... The Doctor and Vicky uh, comedy hour going on where it's basically just a comedy of errors happening in Roman times. And those are the parts that I really enjoyed. I thought that there were a lot of parts that were that were funny and clever and uh, that were very, you know, comedy of errors that I thought were 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 good. Uh, and then there's the part where Ian and Barbara are sold into slavery. <laughs> and it's Hilarious. a story about slavery. <laughs> And trying to break through and escape from their bonds of servitude. And man, tonal whiplash throughout hilarious. this entire fucking story. Gen genuine hilariousness. Now, you see, now here, here's the thing. I do believe that you could make a comedy about sl the slave trade in the Roman era if it was like really bleak and like a black comedy. <laughs> but this was not that. This was like literally, literally... I feel like the definition of comedy was like, hey, what if we give everyone zingers, but change actually nothing else about the way we're going to write the episode? <laughs> uh, the big example of this, I can't even, uh, I honestly think I've repressed huge parts of these episodes at this point, because I can't even give you an example. But I just remember Barb and Ian sitting in like the villa that they're um, squatting in, <laughs> and they're just being snarky at each other and i'm like is this the is this the 1960s british version of comedy probably i was like what if i was just really sarcastic and ironic in everything i said so you were very quick in your summary but let's 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 come back let's backpedal here a little bit the tardis basically literally crashed like at the end of the rescue it landed like half of it landed on a cliffside and then it kind of tumbled over and then we open with them with the TARDIS, like, on its side and, like, some vines had grown around it because the crew had gone to this abandoned villa in Rome. Or not Rome, but outside of Rome. And had basically been squatting there, basically living in luxury for a while. 
And I'll be honest, when it first started, it felt very, like, chill and relaxing. And I was like, if this episode, if this uh, story is nothing but the crew just kind of sitting around and shooting the shit, but in Rome, I'd be okay with that. But considering that the first episode is called The Slave Traders, figured we probably weren't going to be in for such a good time. That being said, Vicky looks cute as hell in her Roman attire. I think we can all agree on that. Fair enough. And Vicky is the only character I find even remotely tolerable this whole arc. (laughs) Yeah, so we were worried, like, in last episode that that Vicky was just going to be, you know, off-brand Susan. I I don't know about you. I really liked Vicky because yeah. she she was like so far in the future that Rome is even more ancient to her than it is to Ian and Barbara and she was basically looking at all of these people and equating to them as basically cavemen with sticks and rocks. And it was just kind of fun watching her just like look around at all these primitive people from her perspective and just being like <laughs> how funny. Look at them. Yeah, I guess. I liked Vicky in this episode because she's the only person who seems to have like a cognizant thought the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that, though. So, Oh, oh my god, I just... <laughs> You're gonna love this. I have, I have this note. <clears throat> I'm, going, I'm going to read it word for word. I like the dialogue and interactions in this episode. It's fun, and they really feel like a group at this point. I'm already feeling like Vicky has integrated into the group quite nicely. Subnote... I am willing to bet money that Caleb says the exact opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in a sense, she doesn't mesh mesh with the group because her actions make sense. I mean, to to Ian and Barb's credit, they don't really have choice. They're slaves. So, well, I mean, what do you mean when you say that they don't make sense? I, I will, I will, I will confer that the doctor just going to Rome because is kind of weird, but Vicky being like, ooh, I, I want to go to Rome. Why am I not in Rome? I want to go to Rome. That makes sense. Ian and Barbara being like, nah, I'm just going to sit around and eat bread and drink wine. You go do whatever it is you're going to do. That makes sense to me. They're finally getting a vacation while doing this time traveling. <laughs> I, I guess I'd say that in the sense of, not just this episode, but in this whole arc, when a doctor like suddenly decides to pretend that he's a musician and is going to Nero's court and everyone knows Nero is a fucking psychopath that burns down Rome. And he's like, yeah, it will be a good adventure. Vicky is literally like, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't do that. And the doctor's like, oh, my dear child, do not doubt me. Yeah. And, and then shit happens. He almost gets assassinated. They meet Nero, and, like, he just kind of does some bullshit. And Vicky's like, this isn't going to work. You cannot just keep bullshitting your way through this. Yeah, she keeps saying you can't bullshit your way through this. And then he proceeds to keep bullshitting his way through this, which, Caleb, I feel like is the joke. <laughs> no, I hate it. I hate it because it's not funny. As you'll know, as you'll know in my other descriptions of what happens in these episodes. <laughs> Okay, but there was one line that I that didn't legitimately get a laugh from me. Doctor just declares that he's, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to Rome. I'll be back in a couple of days. Um, and Ian is like, why didn't you tell us that we were going that you were going to Rome? And he says, I didn't know I was under any obligation to report my movements to you, Chesterfield. And then Barbara says, Chester Tun. And he's like, oh, Barbara's calling for you. That little exchange right there got a laugh from me. I don't know. It seems like some British Oscar Wilde kind of humor, and that falls flat with me entirely. Well, Caleb, I hate to tell you this, but you're 
watching a British television show, so a lot of the comedy is going to be, say it with me now, British. And you're asking for my opinion on it, and I'm giving you my opinion on it, Mac. <laughs> yeah, oh wow. I really don't like this episode, and like, it's almost purely irrational. <laughs> oh, okay, Here, here's another line I hated. Barb or Barbara's saying something about getting food and Ian's like oh I think we have some of that in the fridge and she gets up to go get it and then she's like wait a minute we don't have a refrigerator no it's been established they've been there for a month Barbara knows they don't have a refrigerator (laughs) I refuse to accept that logic okay but also I almost accidentally put my milk where I put my bowls the other day so like I opened up the cabinet to put my milk away because just my brain short-circuited there for a second, so, like, I Yeah, but, Mac, you're a, bur- you're a burnout millennial. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Barb is from the 1960s, and she's been living in 64 AD for 30 days. She knows there's not a refrigerator in that villa. I don't care what anyone says. Because, uh, like, women have the thing of, like, because, you know, maybe if she'd had, like, an encounter with the slavers and she was, like, frazzled and then Ian made the joke and then that. I was like, okay, there's a logical sequence of why Barbara would do something stupid. But no, he just tricks her for no reason. And I hate it. And him getting hit in the head with the jug later on is 100% deserved. I think Ian, I, okay, here's my new headcanon. Barb did it on purpose. <laughs> She's like, yeah, let's see how funny this is. Bam! <laughs> it's funny uh, because in the original script... One of the slavers was the one who uh, threw the pot on Ian's head, but they decided at the last second to make it Barbara because it's wacky. <laughs> wacky. But on the on the note of Ian and Barbara at the house, the doctor leaves with Vicky, and Ian and Barbara are in the villa by themselves. And was I crazy, or was there just like suddenly sexual tension between the two because they both yes. re- they both realized in that moment this is the first time the two of them have been alone since they left home. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. The, the, it was peak se- sexual tension. I was like, oh god, it's gonna get horny, isn't it? It's like, uh, I mean, it's Rome, so it gets horny later, and not in any good ways, not in any fun horny ways, really, really no. bad horny ways. Yeah, <laughs> that. Sexual tension is kind of brought up when she's, like, combing his hair, like, redoing his hair to make it look a bit more of a Roman style since he has it, like, parted and swept to the side. And then he starts quoting Shakespeare, and he says, I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. And I'm like, dude, you are literally in ancient Rome right now. Maybe don't say that line so loud. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're presumably alone in this villa. I mean, yeah, but, like, someone can hear him. And he's like, oh, there's a guy conspiring to kill the Caesar. We should probably do something about that. I bet someone would pay me handsomely if we brought him in for a bounty. On that note, and I I am not usually like this. I'm usually not really nitpicking. I just kind of accept things. I I guess I was in a bad mood this arc. Speaking as a nitpicker, once you start, you cannot stop. (laughs) I I know how that feels. (laughs) Vicky and Barbara have gone full Rome with their hair and their getups. Why is Ian just now changing his hair? I don't know. Because, like, Vicky and Barbara both look real good. And then Ian is just, like... Why is co- a comb even just now being talked about? Right? Ian is combing his hair that way. Yeah, no shit. Sorry, that really annoyed me. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay, can we can we, can we we get to the real part of this episode? Well, hold on. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what part you're talking about. But there, but there was the bit where the, where the doctor and Vicky come across this dead bard and 
the doctor says, there's nothing we can do for him now, my dear. And then I make the subnote of, except fucking grave rob him, apparently. Because <laughs> he just takes the liar and is like, well, oh, I get it. It's a liar. And he's a liar. Oh. oh. Yeah, that's not the wild bullshit I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Go ahead. What? I understand the whole bit. The whole idea is the doctor has some fucking 4D chess style logic going on. And that's the bit of the whole show. But I absolutely cannot accept this. I cannot accept that he saw a guard with a sword looking through the bushes. And in his mind, he is like, the only thing I can do is fucking take this guy's clothes and his harp and pretend to be him. And be like, oh no, everything's fine. I was a murder. Don't check that bush over there. (laughs) (laughs) I refuse. They could have just left. They could have just left. They definitely could have. And they didn't. For actually... Literally no reason. But then he wouldn't have been able to get that sweet harp. That was a sweet harp, Caleb. They could have taken the harp and left. <laughs> there was absolutely no reason for him to impersonate the, the fucking bard or whatever. Although, in fairness, in whatever carriage the guard probably had, the doctor definitely got to roam a lot faster with the guard than he would have walking. That's what I mean. Is like This is probably his like fucking 40 chess logic of like, Ah, yeah, oh, I see now. This bard is probably on his way to Rome. I could use this guard to convince him to take me to Rome and meet Nero, which is probably my plan the whole time. I mean, if the doctor is in ancient Rome, I can definitely see him being like, oh yeah, I definitely want to meet Caesar, Caesar Nero, specifically so I can name drop him later at a certain point. No, 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 no. I 100% accept that like the doctor has plans of his own and wants to like be there for major historical events. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he had to fake bean someone to get there. I mean it worked. <laughs> it's already it's already been established that the doctor does not give a fuck and he will just do what he wants to do and actively sabotage anyone who tries to stop him from doing it. Part of also why I think Ian and Barb like don't even try and stop him. They're like he's just going to get fucking killed if we don't. And that's fair. So we're o- we're over one so far. Hate this episode. Any other notes? I just have the note of quite the tonal shift of fun times lounging about to slave trading. Joy. Comedy gold. This is how you write comedy. This is a masterclass in how to write comedy, actually. I've changed my mind. This is hilarious. At the end of this episode, I was worried that because Ian is taken away from Barbara because she's going to Rome and he's going to somewhere else. And then the doctor and Vicky are going over this way. I was worried that it was going to be that this was going to be just like Reign of Terror. And I think it's funny that my least favorite episode so far and your least favorite episode so far were both written by the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's yeah. let's keep an eye out for Dennis Spooner. I'm not sure if he writes anymore, but uh let's just brace ourselves if he ever does. <laughs> the Reign of Terror is objectively better in literally every fucking way compared to this episode. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Are we that, ready for the next that's, one? That's all I got. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Episode two. All roads lead to Rome. The assassin that killed the real Petulian attacks the doctor, but it's okay because the doctor is really good at fighting now. Despite being the worst idea ever in the history of bad ideas, he decides to keep posing as the musician and heads for Rome. Barb is taken to auction and purchased by a na- man named Tavius, who brings her to Nero's court. Ian, who was sold off separately from Barb, is a rower on a Roman ship. During a bad storm, he and his friend Delos escape from captivity. Don't worry, they are immediately captured when they enter Rome. 
There they learn they will have to fight in the arena. Meanwhile, Tavius seems to be pulling the Doctor into a conspiracy, and the Doctor does the sensible thing and plays along. He tricks Nero by somehow being bad at the liar. And that's it. <laughs> that's my summary. This is the second episode in a row. I'm not sure if you noticed this. This is the second episode in a row where the Doctor got into a physical fight. Like, he went episodes upon episodes, ten episodes in a row without once ever, like, getting into a physical confrontation. And then he was fighting, I totally already forgot the fucking villain in the last episode's name, uh, but he fights him in the in the temple, and now he's fighting the assassin in this one, and it's just weird that they decided just now to go in this direction for the Doctor. I have so many problems with this. Go on. Go on. Okay, so listen. I get that this is a comedy, and it's supposed to be goofy, and maybe be defying our expectations, but it is fucking established that the Doctor cannot lift heavy rocks and gets winded walking down the road. <laughs> I do not believe for a fucking moment that he is some lithe fucking drunk... What, what is it? Like the drunken... Drunk, the drunken master. Kung fu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely refuse this logic. This this episode, this whole arc didn't happen. This was a fever dream. <laughs> Because, um, like, he's there, like, this, like, caveman looking at his ass and is, like, swinging his sword. And the doctor's like, oh, you'll have to try better than that, my boy. And then just dodges out of the way. And then fucking flips him over his shoulder. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not joking, Mick. I watched this fight. I had to pause the episode and wait a whole day to finish it. <laughs> I believe you. But, yeah, the he gets rid of the assassin, like, pushes him out a window or whatever. And then Vicky is, like... Dude, we need to get the fuck out of here. You were just as- tried to be assassinated. And the doctor's like, no, nah, I'm going to bed. <laughs> exactly. She's like, why would you sleep in the exact place where the people who are trying to assassinate you know for a fact that you are? And she- and he's like, oh, because they're definitely not going to twi- try twice in one night. Now go to bed, Vicky. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm this like, I mean. no, Vicky- Vicky's got a point. <laughs> Why are we staying in the exact room they just tried to kill you in? But Mac, this is the whole arc. This is the whole <laughs> arc of Vicky being like, we can't, well, doctor, okay, I know you're having fun, but we have to stop now. Someone literally tried to kill you, and they're like, well, he's not going to try again, is he? <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I am like sweaty right now. I'm so angry about this episode. <laughs> Uh, just a reminder, in Reign of Terror, the crew were all captured and thrown in jail, too. I'm not saying Dennis Spooner knows how to write one story. I'm just saying I'm noticing a pattern here. Also, he does write one more story. I just looked him up while you were doing your summary. He writes one more story. It's not for a little while, but uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, one one thing I will say in this story's favor is what this one specific moment because he's on the rowboat right and like his friend whose name I totally don't know it's like Delos or Delos De- or yeah Delos like I think um he's like okay I'm going to pretend to die and then the guard will come over and we'll take his keys it'll be great and so Delos like Bleh! like goes over and he's like help my friend I think he's dead. And the guard comes over and it's like, it's like, no, fuck off. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Because one of my biggest pet peeves in writing is the, that the sick man routine always fucking works. And I'm just really glad 
that it didn't work this time. It is true because I'm, I'm pretty sure that doesn't the guard like club him on the head or something. Yeah, and, like uh, clubs him on the head snacks. to make sure that he's still that he's dead and then he flinches. And yeah. it's like you have to try better than that. Yeah, on par with the doll, like I can hear you. <laughs> moment. Yeah, and then there's a big storm hits the ship, and I'm not sure if you noticed this, but like. It was so crazy and hectic of like the the set moving and people moving. One the camera was hit and it went static for just a second. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, <laughs> all all I could really tell was like the obvious arc of the water being thrown from buckets. Ian had enough chemistry with this uh, Delos guy that I was like, this is the third strapping young man that I've shipped Ian with. And I mean, like, this is ancient Rome we're talking about. So, like, if he's going to experiment, now would be the time to do it. <laughs> Join our Patreon where you can read Max fan fiction about Ma- <laughs> Ian hooking up with Delos. Ian hooking up with just a bunch of young, burly men throughout history. <laughs> yeah, because he, he definitely had, like, homoerotic vibes with who's the guy he killed in the Aztecs. That guy. Yeah. The, the warrior he's supposed to, like, be bowing. I literally just... Just watched, listened to this episode the other day. I cannot remember his name. Gay. It was very gay. But him and Marco Polo and now Delos. I'm just saying. There's a pattern. I'm just saying. I haven't seen Ian make a move on any women in this show. If I mention that I hate this arc and that each episode actually gets progressively worse. <laughs> so Okay, so the doctor gets to Nero's court and I 100% believe that he's able to get into Nero's good graces so easily because he is an expert at how to inflate an already oversized ego, because that's exactly how Ian and Barbara get him to do anything, is by just <laughs> inflating his ego. So he's like, ah, I see a kindred spirit in Nero. We're both egotistical assholes. I know how to deal with him. Yeah, have we noticed that the Doctor makes friends with tyrants, like, really easily? <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything to read in that. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever, but no. Th- this... <laughs> I know. It's a comedy of errors it's supposed to be goofy (laughs) nero comes in and the doctor is all like oh you have to show me how to play show me how well it is and nero's like oh yes of course licks his greasy ass fucking fingers and then just strums a chord and like bam that's it masterpiece Yeah, and the doctor was like, oh my god, that was perfect. There's no way I can possibly top that. I couldn't I couldn't possibly follow that performance. And I like that Vicky goes along with it and kind of is just like, oh yes, bravo, bravo, Caesar Nero. Because I'm picturing Susan in this position, and she would not. She would not be able to go along with this con. <laughs> It'll never work, doctor. <laughs> she probably would have been like, what are you talking about, grandfather? That was absolutely awful. I can see her doing that. <laughs> Okay, I want Susan back for that moment. <laughs> the doctor gets uh, beheaded and eaten by lions because Susan just doesn't know how to shut the fuck up and play along. I like that arc way better. Yeah, but that's one of the reasons why I love I love Vicky already. It's just she's like, oh, oh, we're conning these people. Okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm down with that. I can con. <laughs> it was simultaneously one of those moments where I was like, I understand what's happening. I understand why this is supposed to be funny, and I still fucking hate it. <laughs> well, Caleb, there was there was such a comedic moment. I'm assuming that the uh, the music director of Reign of Terror also came over with this one, because I'm not sure if you noticed, but Ian and Delos escape from the ship. They're in the streets of Rome, and they're like, there's no way we're going to get captured, and they, and they immediately get captured, and the music literally does a... Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> 
Okay, I did not catch that. Ian and Delos get captured immediately after they say, we've been lucky so far. They they say, we've been lucky so far, turn a corner, and get captured by guards, and then, womp, womp, womp. Okay, I did not hear that. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> Maybe I was just in a blind rage at that point. I don't remember exactly how this episode, it was two weeks ago that I watched this, so I apologize. But one good thing I will say about this story in general is that I think only once during this whole episode, during this whole story, is there a cliffhanger that is like a immediate escape next episode. It's more like, oh shit, we're in a tight spot, we're in a tough situation, but that's not immediately solved at the start of the next episode, which I know is a big complaint that we've had so far. Okay, you know what? I will give you I will I will give this episode that credit. And thus far that credit alone. So far it's getting a 1% on this test. Well done. It, it didn't have any cliffhangers. In fact, the arc actually made it kind of difficult to want to keep going. It was like an <laughs> anti-cliffhanger. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, you really don't want to watch the next episode, do you? And I was like, no, I don't. But I'm on a time crunch. Well, Caleb, as I was telling you uh, the other day, I've been watching New Who and I just had to expose myself to my least favorite Doctor Who episode. So now we can both suffer together Matt, watching our least favorite episode. I'm Doctor sorry. Who. I don't know if I can really accept the fact that this isn't your least favorite episode. It's not. Oh god. It's not. <laughs> Look, I'm not I'm not going to tell you what ep- what episode's called, but uh, the people who do watch Doctor Who will know what I know what I mean when I say it's the one with the Statue of Liberty is the one that I hate the most. I'm sure that will mean something to someone. Yeah, it'll mean someone to someone, and it'll eventually mean something to you in, like, four years. So... Rad. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about this episode? I feel like this episode in particular had basically nothing happen. Like, the first episode was kind of, I, I don't know, the most tolerable in the sense of, like, it was trying to be snarky, it was a little different. I really... I don't, I didn't even remember this episode. Uh, the Doctor gets into Nero's court and Ian uh, escapes from slavery and then is immediately taken back into slavery. And that's about all that happens. Barbara stays exactly where she was. <laughs> yeah. Bad episode. She gets sold into Nero's wife. I can't remember her name. Into her service. That's about all that happens with her. Yeah. Boring episode. Yeah, I'm done I'm done with this episode. You go ahead. It's really bad when the best part is the doctor's fight scene. I like I like how this episode this episode of our podcast is probably going to be a lot shorter. Not because there were fewer episodes, but because you really just wanna you wanna get out of here as quickly <laughs> as possible. I'm like, I hate it. We're done. I wanna leave. <laughs> I wanna repress this whole part of my life. Episode three, conspiracy. Vicky meets the Royal Poisoner, which is apparently a real job someone has. Nero organizes a banquet for the doctor so it can perform on the loot. Tavius brings Barb to Nero, who is instantly horny for her. We spend about half the episode watching Nero run around thirsting for Barb. His wife is pissed about this and decides to have Barb poisoned. Vicky overhears this and decides to swap the two cups that are destined for Nero and Barb. After the doctor stops Nero from being poisoned, the banquet goes on as expected. The doctor plays a song so good you literally can't hear it. It's literally two fucking minutes of dead silence. Nero is so mad about how much everyone loved the doctor's fake song, he takes Barb to the arena to watch Ian duke it out with Delos. Okay, so, couple of things. One, I was I was wondering the same thing about the court poisoner. I was like, is that really a thing? That can't possibly be a thing. So I looked it up. The position of court poisoner is not a thing, but... Locusta, uh, Locusta, Locusta, um, the woman who is the court poisoner, 
is a historical figure in Nero's court. He hired her due to her being arrested for poisoning of several people. Like, she was arrested for poisoning several people. So he hired her into his court specifically so that he can point to someone and she'll be able to poison them. Ah. She was so good at poisoning people and killing people that he was like, oh, I want her on my team. Court poisoner is not a thing, but Locusta being the court poisoner was. <laughs> I, I wish it had been presented like that because, I don't know, the... The way she was presented in the episode was kind of hilarious. She was like, yeah, when people need someone poisoned, they just come to me. Everyone knows I do it. Everyone wants to put it. Like, it's just business, baby. <laughs> no one tries to kill me. I'm, hey, I'm, just, I'm just the messenger, so to speak. My first note of this episode is, ha, 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 attempted rape is so funny, isn't it? Ha, ha, ha. Because, just... man, near, like... Pepe Le Pew, Nero is just, like, chasing Barbara around. For, like, literally ten minutes. At least, at least ten minutes. It's, like, half the episode. It was cringe that happened at all, but I was like, okay, you know what? It's fine. It's the Roman period. It's cringe and gross. That's fine. And then it just kept going. <laughs> it just kept going. Man, yeah, it was bad. Oh, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> Unbearable, really. This is the episode that I'm pretty sure... I have the least um, number of notes about because it was, it was just Nero chasing Barbara. So we go to the arena and man, this is the least enthusiastic sword fighting I've ever seen. Like they go into the arena and there's two warriors like, I guess, sparring. Tapping their swords together. <laughs> Tapping the swords. Like this, this isn't even like mid combat rehearsal for a play. This is like two kids who have never held sticks before just like, no wonder Rome fell. <laughs> Empress Pompeia is like, well, I don't like the fact that my husband is hitting on this slave. I'm going to have this slave killed. She said that she's like worried. She's like, oh, so she thinks that she can be empress, can she? And I'm like, listen, Pompeia, I'm sure you're new to Rome or whatever. Fairly certain that a slave wouldn't be able to become an empress even if they did try. And then I looked it up because I was like, I don't want to be a liar. And there are some reports of a couple of emperors who may have been born slaves, but just as many sources say that they were children of freed slaves rather than being slaves themselves. So, who knows? Pompeii is being overly paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the first historical that actually made me, like, look up facts just to check. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't even just, like, spark note the French Revolution for the Reign of Terror, because, like, literally that would have cleared up so many... Of your issues with that genuinely good episode instead of this yeah. genuinely bad episode. Except I didn't fucking want to. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, I studied ancient Greek and ancient Rome a lot in college, so it's a stub so it's a subject that I'm a lot more interested in <laughs> than the French Revolution. Also, blonde, sharp features, willing to fucking murder you. That's my type. <laughs> But you, you come, you man, you were really angry about the doctor's performance, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, could you tell my notes? <laughs> yeah, just a smidge, because it's literally he literally pulled an emperor's new clothes. He even says that. I know he even says it. Oh, oh, it's so funny. I cannot watch two minutes of dead silence, Mac. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I will grant you the two minutes of dead silence did not really go well with the ten minutes of attempted rape, but. It was 
<laughs> you were still very angry about this way he got out of it. Like, okay, okay. Is... Do you want to know why I was mad? Here it is. Here's the full explanation. So he doesn't. He's like, I'm going to perform a song that only delicate ears can hear. I'm like, okay. So he's not gonna play nothing. He's gonna try and bullshit his way through it. Got it. That's fine. <laughs> he goes and he sets no noise. I'm like, okay. Literally no. Literally total silence. Not even like ambient noise for the audience. I'm like, okay. And you see everyone nodding, like pretending to go along. And it's like, oh yes. You see, you know, like, ooh, plucking his fingers in the air. I'm like, okay, yeah. They're all pretending to hear the song because like they're not gonna admit that they don't have delicate ears or whatever. And I look down, like, it's been 20 seconds. Hit 10 seconds on <laughs> Ford. They're still doing it. I'm like, okay. 20 more seconds. <laughs> and I swear to God, I skipped two minutes. And then he was like, it was a classic Emperor's cloak or the Emperor's robes. I was like, oh my God, they really did it. They really did two minutes of like full silence. So yeah, I was just mad that I skipped parts of the episode and then also somehow missed nothing. <laughs> That's fair. Then Nero gets pissed and leaves. And I was like, everyone thought his song was so good. I'm going to have him killed. I'm like, okay, yeah, that seems like a Nero thing. I'm totally fine with that, actually. Kill the doctor. <laughs> yeah, and then we cut over to Ian, who's like being prepped for the arena. He's like handed something. And Ian is like, what's this for? I'm like, Ian, it's a helmet. <laughs> and you're in the arena. The fuck do you think this is for? <laughs> to eat soup out of? <laughs> Oh, God. Delos is handed a uh, shield and a helmet, and then Ian is equipped with some hopes and prayers, I guess, <laughs> yeah. because he's got nothing. <laughs> We're going to see who can compete with uh, each other in a battle for blood. Here's your helmet. Here's your shield. Ian, you, um, here's a net. <laughs> <laughs> so I was complaining about the piddly sword fight earlier. I was like, oh, God, I'm hoping this isn't going to be a thing. But this sword fight actually isn't that bad when Ian and Delos are forced to fight each other. That sword fight's actually pretty good. By Doctor Who standards. By Doctor Who standards, yes. And he's, like, winning the fight for the most part. And then I made the note that Ian has killed, has canonically killed an Aztec warrior. Someone call Spike TV because we have definitive proof that Roman gladiators are stronger. <laughs> Boom. There's a moment in here that is not funny, but you can tell it's supposed to be funny. I think it's in the beginning of the episode. I think Nero and the doctor are having a spa bath together. Nero's servant comes in and just dumps water on his feet for something, I'm sure. Yeah, for some reason. Nero gets up. He's ready to kill him. The doctor intervenes and sends him away. And then they spend the whole time like pointing the sword away from each other. Horrible. Hated it, especially when Nero like literally grabs the fucking blade of it and pushes it away. Yeah, it's a running joke, a running joke, air quotes, I hope everyone heard the air quotes there, where Nero has this uh, servant that's waiting on him constantly, and he just like is constantly annoyed by him, and which all cum culminates in when Nero finds out that he was about to, be, about to be poisoned, and just to check, he like hands it to his servant, it's like, here, drink this. <laughs> huh. Guess it was poisoned. Bum, ba -dum, bum, ba -dum. Oh, yeah. I repressed <laughs> that moment, I think. I'm going to need therapy for this episode, Mike. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have anything else about this episode. Mo most of my attention went to the literal two minutes of silence I didn't watch. Uh <laughs> uh, there, there was one, one fun fact about uh, this episode, this third episode. It was broadcast on the exact same day as Churchill's funeral. So you'll be happy to know that this episode was a significant dip in view figures that week. So it fucking deserved it. <laughs> I feel like this whole arc should have been a dip in viewership. But anyway, 
Episode number four, Inferno, the literal light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> where we get all of the plot of the fucking story in a 15 minutes. Inferno, here we go. All right. Delos tries to kill Nero instead of Ian, and all hell breaks loose. The Empress wants Tavius to get rid of Barb, and Barb tells Tavius that Ian plans on coming to rescue her. Nero plans on using this as a trap. Tavius agrees to help her and Ian escape. The Doctor finds some maps outlining Nero's new plans for Rome. Tavius appears and tells the Doctor that Nero plans on killing the Doctor in the arena, and then he realizes that Petulian intended to kill Nero. Nero comes in and while the Doctor is rambling, he burns Nero's plans, which of course gives him the idea to torch Rome in the first place. Ian and Delos sneak into the palace with a group of slaves. Nero is there and tells them that he will pay them handsomely to burn Rome. Tavius spots Ian and helps him slip away. Ian and Barb escape as the slaves leave, and the Doctor and Vicky slip out as well. They all make their way back to the villa, recount their bullshit nonsense, and fuck off to the TARDIS. Yeah, we have not mentioned Tavius yet because he's not an important character at all. But Tavius uh, works for Nero, was the one who bought Barbara for Nero, or the Empress rather, and um, seems to just really have a th- like a thing for Barbara, I'm noticing. Um, yeah. Which is why he helped, he helped her escape. Caleb, I'm really shocked that you did not mention this. In your synopsis, but the doctor's uh, set his doctor is told that he's going to be executed in the in the arena, and then the next time he's talking to Nero, he's just he just makes a ton of arena lion eating puns, like just pun after pun after pun after pun, implying that he knows uh, what Nero is planning, and I'm like, doctor. I love a good pun as much as the next guy, but maybe don't let the puns blow your cover. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> oh, I'm aware, Mac. I'm aware of them. And I just wanted, and I just wanted to forget. And you're gonna sit here and bring him up anyway, because <laughs> like, uh, especially the delivery too. He's like, I was like, you know, like it'll be a roaring good time. It'll be something they can really sink their teeth into. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking die or jump through the <laughs> screen and kill William Hartnell. I don't know which. <laughs> I'm in the note of, look, I know the fear of public performance is real. I get that. But maybe convincing Caesar to burn down all of Rome in order to get out of a public performance, maybe that's a bit extreme. Just throwing that out there. Now, and, and there's and there's a real twist. Did the doctor actually mean to convince him to burn down Rome? I think so, because the doctor's a sociopath. Well, he did because he had, like, the eyeglass and, like, was held it behind his back specifically to, like, burn the maps. I think at first I thought his intent was, yeah, I'm just going to destroy Nero's plans so he can't, like, I don't know, do whatever it is he was going to do. And then haphazardly convinced him to burn down Rome. But no, that's not the Doctor's MO. Remember, he's 4D chessing his way through the whole arc. Well, this is another example of not getting involved with history unless it turns out you were supposed to, in which case, for the love of God, don't not do it. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just like, okay, so the doctor's insane then. Cool. Because Vicky's, like, calling him out on it. She's like, doctor, you literally just encouraged Caesar to burn down all of Rome. And the doctor's like, I mean, so? It's fine. (laughs) He probably would have done it anyway, even without my help. And we're like, or maybe he wouldn't have. Just throwing that out there. On this note, um, not to make Vicky totally irredeemable, at the end of this episode, like they're escaping through the field and they come out and they see Rome on fire. 
And Vicky is, like, excited about it. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe I'm in this moment of history. How incredible. I'm like, don't a bunch of people die during this? I mean, yeah, like, tons of people died. But also, you know, it is a significant moment of history. She's like, wow, I'm seeing it happen firsthand. And also, this old guy I just agreed to uh, travel with is apparently the cause of the slaughter of millions. Hmm. Not the first time. Hmm. <laughs> Remember that time the doctor genocided a whole race of people? <laughs> uh, you don't even know how funny that is yet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what? Look, I'm just saying maybe, maybe, maybe he makes a habit of it. Anyway, continuing on. So so you're saying that like I should like never, like because I thought this was just some like weird old world like style of writing should i just kind of accept that the doctor actually isn't a good person kind of i mean he is and he isn't (laughs) it's difficult to describe he's that peak chaotic neutral he's like um how do i put this uh okay you know the character l death note yes his whole thing is that he loves tracking down criminals and solving these solving these mysteries but he does not give a shit about actually doing the right thing he just wants to do it because he finds a thrill in it that's kind of that's kind of the thing he will do a good deed because he enjoys the adventure if it also saves people hey cool (laughs) but also if the genocide is more exciting i'm gonna do that (laughs) i don't know i it, it, it varies it varies i think he grows to be a good person but right now he's very much like huh I just was indirectly slash directly uh, involved in the slaughter of thousands of innocent people. Anywho. Well, anyway, just another day. <laughs> when in Rome, slaughter all the Romans. Am I right, people? Come on. Oh, my God. Hmm. Okay. This episode is interesting because I wasn't joking. Literally, the entire plot of the whole story happens in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Because obviously this was going to end to Nero burning down Rome. We just didn't Obviously. really bring it up until this episode. <laughs> um, and maybe that's why, uh, I don't know, maybe that's how comedy of errors are. But this arc is super meandering, and every episode feels pointless. <laughs> it's really weird because comedy of errors, the typical ending for a comedy of errors is all's well that ends well. <laughs> it's like the characters in this episode are saying all's well that ends well while a blazing inferno is <laughs> happening behind them. And we all lived happily ever after. <laughs> the end. Oh god, my family's dead. The end. All as it's supposed to be. <laughs> so, Caleb, we've been kind of divergent on this on this point. For pretty much every single episode so far, but I think this is when we finally come together and have the same opinion. Uh, because up until now, I've been like, oh, Ian and Barbara are finally getting into the whole adventure thing. Now they're starting to have fun. Isn't it great? And you were like, why aren't they just going home? And now, if I were Ian or Barbara, I'd be like, you know what? Being sold into slavery? I think I'm done. I think... I think I'm ready to go home now. I think I'm done with adventures. Can I go home now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, my <laughs> life would have been a lot sooner, but yeah, I definitely agree. Like, if it wasn't anything else, being sold into slavery, being forced to fight to the death for entertainment, being chased through a palace by Nero for horniness, all things I don't really want to do again or risk doing again. Can I go home now? Not great. And then they meet back up 
Dr. Vicky, Ian, and Barbara are all meet, meet back up, and they go to the TARDIS, and they all kind of, like, compare notes about the stuff they went in, and they're all, like, laughing about everything. I'm like, <laughs> yes, this is quite the funny side. <laughs> we were slaves. Because <laughs> I thought the Dr. and Vicky don't even... Vicky, don't even really give them a chance to say their piece. Doesn't the doctor say something about, like, well, you know, we weren't just lounging about like you two. And Barbara's like, lounging about? What are you talking about? That is true. They did not They did not tell the doctor and Vicky about their adventures, which, like, I would have been like, oh, good, you're home. I was a slave. We're leaving now. <laughs> okay. And now, and then this comes to... Actually, legitimately, the worst part of this whole arc. <laughs> okay, wow, okay. Wor- worse than the slaughter of Rome and the attempted rape? Please, do tell me what part was the worst part of yes. this arc. Yeah, so are you ready for this? Uh-huh. Ian gets Barb with the fridge joke again. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, but I literally had a conniption. I felt I, my uh, I I felt the blood can, in my eyeball Caleb, burst. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure it's the exact opposite. I think Barb gets Ian with the fridge joke. No, are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure it's like pay like it's supposed to be like a payback kind of thing. No, I don't think so. Because I mean, either way, it's not funny. But <laughs> he says something about like, oh, the cold peacock in the fridge, and Barb goes to walk away, and she's like, oh, you think you're funny. I'm looking it up right now because I'm 100% confident that he gets her. Okay, we'll cut Doctor Who, the Romans. Huh, you're right. See, I told you. Yeah, you, you, you got me. You're right. This is, this is definitely worse than the mass slaughter and the attempted rape. He did the same joke twice. Bitch, <laughs> you have been in slavery. <laughs> <laughs> you have been chased through a palace by a madman. You watched Rome burn. You know there is not a refrigerator in that villa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I can't. I can't do it. I'm so glad this episode is over. <laughs> On that note, I guess we'll go into trivia. We didn't even, like, talk about the individual episodes. Like, what, you, what were your thoughts <laughs> of this episode? We were just like, no, we're done. Let's just keep going. <laughs> oh, I hated it so much. I have some trivia here, but, like, upon reflection, none of it's really all that interesting. <laughs> William Hartnell said that he felt at ease with this with this story because it is a comedy. Or at least his bits were. Uh, which is primarily what Hartnell starred in up to this show. He was mostly, I mean, he was usually the straight man in whatever comedy he was in, but he was mostly in a comedy. And uh, once again, I would like to reiterate, this is William Russell's favorite story. The one where he's sold into slavery. (laughs) I'm not saying he has shit taste, but... Confirmed, William Russell has BDSM fantasies. I mean, maybe... So I guess we'll just go into final thoughts. Gosh, Caleb, what are your final thoughts about this episode? Gosh, wouldn't you know it? But I really didn't like this episode. <laughs> I think it's an abomination to human to the human race and should be purged from society. Why was this episode one not on the chopping block when they got rid of episodes? Okay, well, I have a slightly more I I will I will give you this. You managed to convince me to knock it down a couple of pl- spots in my rankings. I'll give you that. <laughs> but yeah of all this of all the episodes this is the one where i kind of had the hardest time pinning down whether i liked it or not because i did legitimately like the comedic bits with the doctor and vicky i thought they made a good pair 
and I also like the idea of just using the TARDIS to just take a vacation. But, man, the stories about two of the principal cast being sold into fucking slavery kind of spoiled the whole batch, if I'm not going to be honest. So, yeah, it's not it's not as high up in my rankings as it once was. It's at the bottom. Uh, I like An Unearthly Child more than I like this. And boy, is that saying something. Backtracking a bit. I gotta give all the credit to Vicky in this episode. Vicky was the best part. She was easily the best part of the episode. I don't remember if it's the second or third episode, but, like, they open, like, a curtain, and, like, that guard that brought them there is dead. Mm-hmm. And Vicky is like, Doctor, this is not a joke. We cannot fuck around with this anymore. And he's like, I've got it all under control, dear child. You very, very much do not. <laughs> I know. And Vicky's like, you don't. You have no idea what is going on. You don't even know your name. I actually really like that that um, dynamic there because if it were still Susan, his granddaughter, he would have been like, don't worry, child. I've got it all under control. And she's like, well, all right. But this is not his grandchild as much as he would like to pretend that she is. He's like, don't worry, child. I've got it under control. You so fucking don't. You piece of shit. No, you don't. <laughs> okay, so I will look forward to more episodes of Vicky calling the doctor on his like crazy logic. I also can't wait for like him to do something like break the TARDIS on again and be like, see, you know, I, I need to get this fixed. And her just go, you made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that happens. Crossing fingers. So yeah, so I didn't like it. Uh, the worst episode. I literally had to take multiple day breaks between these episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why it took us two weeks to finally <laughs> record this. <laughs> All right, and that's it for this episode. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us more about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you'd like to just talk to us in general, you can follow Mac at MacTheMa and me at CLB underscore Clark. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the other major networks. And uh, yeah. And join us next time on A Quick Trip Through Space and Time in which we watch the most technically complex episode yet in The Web Planet. It's not about spiders, is it? It is not. Oh, thank God. That comes later. No! She sells, she sells. I, I still can't do it, even when I'm speaking slowly. <laughs> the uh, the warm-up that I was taught in college was uh, the lawyer's awfully awful daughter stood on the balcony, inimitably mimicking him, hiccuping, and amicably welcoming him in. And what? just <laughs> The lawyer's awfully awful daughter stood on the balcony, inimitably mimicking him, hiccuping, and amicably welcoming him in. You start, you start I, that off slow, and then you say it over and over again, faster and faster and faster and faster every time. And that was our vocal warm-up before we started. <laughs> I'm just going to fumble my words. How about that? All right, sounds good. <laughs> Why break the fucking streak? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>